You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, hello. You're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today, you actually get to only hear me. So, hope all of you have enjoyed having uh, the guests that we had. Uh, my wife filled in, not really filled in, but joined us for several weeks. And then we had a wonderful interview with Dr. Terry Fox, the founder of Boulder Holistic over in Colorado. So, we're back to just me. So, I hope all of you are okay with that. If you're not, I apologize. But... Anyhow, it'll be back to me for quite a bit. Uh, We are getting very busy for us on the mitigation side. Things are really starting to get busy. The foreclosure moratorium uh, has pretty much been lifted for a while, but all the paperwork has had to work its way through the uh, proper uh, channels. And so a lot of our work, just in case you're wondering why I'm talking about that, a lot of our work that we do is on foreclosed properties. Uh, for a state entity out of Wyoming. So that's kind of going to open up uh, a lot more opportunities for the mold mitigation side of things. And of course, as you all know, I do consultations, I do mold inspections, mold testing. So things are quite busy and I couldn't do all of it without all of your support. So I appreciate that. But anyhow, uh, today we are on episode 214. It's Monday, July 3rd. Tomorrow is the 4th of July, so probably most of you listeners are probably going to be listening to this on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, I guess Wednesday or Thursday, but I hope all of you are doing well and you're staying safe out there. Today's topic is Toxic Mold Mitigation 101, and the reason I want to talk about this, a couple things. You know, we have a big mitigation job we're actually tackling. Uh, We're starting on it here in a couple weeks, and it's a major job. And it all led 
to a major mold concern over a minor drip drip. It was literally a property that is not used all winter long. The heat stays on. As far as we know, nothing really froze up. But a fitting down in a mechanical room that supplies a lot of water treatment equipment started to drip. And it literally was a drip drip from, we're suspecting, November, October, November-ish of 2022. And then it was discovered, I think, in April or May this year. So uh, my point is behind all that is that little tiny drip drip has now turned into a major, major mold remediation project. Most of the property has to be gutted. Uh, the entire basement has to, most of the main level, all kitchen cabinets, everything. Uh, the bedrooms were minorly affected, but still there's literally mold growth throughout the entire building. So uh, it's just an example as to equipment you could have, such as a moisture alarm, that could have prevented that. So anyhow, it's a good topic to talk about since we have that huge project coming up. So what's the obvious question? And I guess to me, this is what gets asked to me all the time. You know, when should you call in the professionals for mold mitigation? And the easiest answer for me is you always should. But for you listeners, it's like, well, I don't always need that, do I? And technically, no. The reason I do say you always should get a professional involved is mold is the gift that keeps on giving. And it's very difficult to know how much mold is behind the walls after you start doing mitigation. So it's just a good idea. Get professionals involved right off the bat. Uh, that doesn't mean you're not going to run into any problems, but it does help to know that you're going to have uh, proper people involved. But as far as liability and legally, well, I guess liability, that's why I say get professionals involved. But from more of a legal perspective, the EPA does say that if the area is smaller than 10 square feet, you shouldn't hire a professional. And I should, when I say you shouldn't, they say you can do it yourself. And I don't ever recommend doing it yourself. Can you do it yourself? Absolutely. There's lots of scenarios where it's not that difficult to do. But like I said, you can see 10 square feet, which literally is smaller than a bedroom window. You could see that and then you start tearing into that and you could have you know, mold inside the wall cavities, there could be subfloor concerns, there could be a bunch of issues. So keep that in mind when, when you think you can tackle a project on your own. So the next step or the next question typically is, so what are the proper steps to mold mitigation? And if you've listened to me long enough, I always say it's unique to every property. There is no mold mitigation or remediation, however you want to word it, there is no mold mitigation on a property that is the same every time. Every property is unique. And I say that because, once again, you just never know what you're going to run into. There are different things that we do for different properties. But the most important thing about mold mitigation is containment. And when I say the most important, it's the first step that's very important. If you don't have a proper containment established with air scrubbers, you could be doing mitigation, let's just say, in a bathroom upstairs. And if you have the right conditions and there's toxic mold present, you literally can be spreading those mold spores throughout the entire home. So containment is crucial. If you talk to a professional company and they say, no, we don't need mold containments, it's, it's not a big deal. I googled it and 
you know, I, I saw that an air scrubber sufficient, you know, we're going to rent two air scrubbers just to, to make sure if they, if they believe that, um, that's probably not the right people to be doing mitigation because a containment is so important. So the first thing we do is we establish that containment and I'll just give you a scenario. So let's say that there is a bathroom you hire a professional to come in for us to do the mold mitigation on it. Obviously, the containment would have to include the hallway, and we have to be able to come in and out of the property without contaminating the rest of the home. So a containment would literally have to go from the front door all the way to that bathroom. So if you can imagine, let's say you come in your front door, you know, right off the living room's another hallway. You go down that hallway, there's a bathroom on the right, a bedroom on the left, another another bedroom on the right, you know, after the bathroom, and then another bedroom on the left. So there's three bedrooms in that hallway and a bathroom. We have to literally isolate everything. When we do mitigation, as most of you know, we do not let you stay in the home. It's not safe. There's a lot of chemicals that we use. There's sanding involved, there's ozone machines, there's VOCs from our chemicals. There's just too many things that could irritate you or make you sick. When I say irritate, like irritants as far as watery eyes, uh, burning your lungs, throat, stuff like that. So what we would have to do in that hallway is we literally seal off those bedroom doorways, obviously with the doors closed. We put plastic up. We typically like to use six mil plastic. It's fairly thick, a lot thicker than most people would see. And then as you come in the front door, we literally put a wall up through that living room. And then as it turns and goes into the hallway, so you literally come down a corridor from the front door. It's all plastic. Uh, the containment goes from the floor to the ceiling. Uh, if you have carpet floors, we put a special uh, protectant down. It's a, just a plastic that's self-adhesive. If you have laminate, tile, stuff like that, we put what's called a RAM board. That's a brand name. It's just this board we put down. We tape it to the floor. That protects the flooring. Uh, sometimes, if needed, we can put that RAM board on the walls. It's quite extensive. And everything I just talked about is the containment. So, you know, when you really think about it, it's just the containment's quite complex. And it's very important to do that properly. So, we start with that containment. I talked about air scrubbers. You must always have air scrubbers on a mold mitigation project. Not an air purifier, air scrubbers like we use as professionals. You can use those as negative air machines or air scrubbers. Uh, the negative air machine, you could be sucking the air from the interior just to the exterior. As an air scrubber, you are cleaning the air and you can still vent it to the exterior, but that's after it's gone through all the stages of filters that we use. So we rarely do we just set up negative air. And I guess to be clear with you listeners, the difference between negative air and, and cleaning it, air scrubbing it, we pull the filters out if we're just using it as negative air. And a lot of times, as you've heard me say, homes are somewhat pressurized. So, you know, we can actually, without an actual air scrubber, we can use air movers and other means to create that vacuum and suck the air outside. But my opinion on that is why would we do that? Uh, trying to clean the air. So that's why we, we, we use it as air scrubbers. And so for an air scrubber, you can actually use it as a standalone. Um, you know, one big, and I don't want to say fupa or mistake that other mitigation companies make is they think that, you know, you, if you're going to use it as an air scrubber, 
you have all those filters. So we're talking about three different filters that it's running through. It's really clean air after it comes out. They think that you can just, you know, let that terminate inside the home. Not not for us. We we think that's a major, major concern. And that's probably a better word I could use is concern, not a fupa or mistake. Because, uh, you know, that's just how I view it. So anyhow, uh, so we use an air scrubber always. That always has to happen. Speaking of air scrubbers, for you listeners, uh, there's all different brands. You can rent them from hardware stores, from rental stores. Uh, they're, I don't know what they cost, probably $500 a week. You can buy cheaper ones for like $1,000, or you can buy more expensive ones for whatever price you want to pay, depending on on how much you want to spend. I guess my point with that is you can rent air scrubbers. We also use ozone machines. Um, The reason why we use ozone machines, and this is just preference, if you talk to different mold mitigation specialists, you will probably hear a lot of differing opinions. What I want to be clear about is I see a lot of people that think if you run an ozone machine that you're going to kill the mold spores in the air and then you don't have to have proper mitigation. That's not true. I don't believe that for one minute. You have to actually get rid of the mold spores. The ozone that you do pump into the air, this is my opinion, is it changes the chemical makeup of the air and it prevents those mold spores from becoming viable and reproducing. So We use those. We do not use those when we're on site. That ozone, um, in my opinion, it's the air is not safe to breathe if you're there present. So when we run our ozone machines on a mitigation job, we actually run those at nighttime. There's timers on them. So, you know, we can set the timer so it's shut off for a couple hours before we get back there the next day. But ozone machines, in my opinion, they're very important. Air scrubbers and ozone machines, we do leave those once we're done with all the remediation. We actually leave those on site. This is my personal preference. Um, There are different protocols depending on the company, the municipality, uh, who the mitigation company is a member of. But most mitigation companies go by what's called the IICRC S520. And we're, as you've known, and I've said this numerous times, we do not give our step-by-step process. The S520 is not the exact process that we follow. We, in my opinion, go above and beyond that just to make sure everybody's safe and we're taking care of the mold properly. So point with that is make sure that everybody you would hire has um, some sort of standards or protocols they follow, not just a, well, I'm not going to tell you, but we do it right. You kind of need to know what what steps they take. But anyhow, in the uh, S520, they recommend two to five days post-remediation to leave the air scrubbers uh, inside the property, inside the containment, and then you shut those off when you run the air test. So you have the air scrubbers, you have the ozone machines, you have your containment up. The next thing is is to get rid of the moldy materials. And I want to kind of backtrack a little bit. I didn't cover this, but I have another podcast. Do not do mold remediation without fixing the defect that led to that in the first place. So we're talking about a scenario in a bathroom. Let's say that there was a leak below the toilet. It leaked for a long time and there's visible mold. You got to make sure that that toilet concern is fixed. If it was a toilet, it's not really going to get fixed till after we're done. But let's just say it was a roof leak. Uh, We want to make sure that that's been addressed uh, and taken care of. So anyhow, we go in there and we remove all the porous materials that have mold growth on it. So if that's subflooring, if that's sheetrock, if that's cabinetry, 
we remove all that. Sometimes the the tub shower surround or insert or whatever you want to call it, it's very likely that that has to come out. But we remove all the moldy materials. And once all that's done, that's when the chemical side of things comes into play. Do we use chemicals? Absolutely. What do we use? It all depends on what we're using the chemicals on and what the end results are we're looking for. But we're never using chemicals to remove mold spores. It's in conjunction with sanding or mold remover maybe it's used to suppress the mold spores like there's there's many different ways you can use chemicals but i want to be very clear we cannot and will not nor will it work we do not go in there and just spray chemicals on mold and say oh that's good we sprayed the subfloor it's good to go nope that wet subfloor has to be removed and then you got to replace it so i understand there are times you know let's say you get down to floor joists um exterior you know, on the back side of the siding, there's OSB or wafer board. Obviously, we can't remove that kind of stuff, but we do remove everything that we can. And it's not difficult to remove like wall studs and things like that and replace it. It's actually quite simple and it makes more sense, especially if there's a lot of water damage, which obviously leads to wood rot. It makes more sense for us to just replace that stuff while we're in there and and have everything tore out. So once we spray our stuff with chemicals, we remove the mold spores or suspected mold spores through the air scrubbing, HEPA vacuum, and we will, you can either blast it. uh, There's dry ice blasting, There's baking soda blasting, and then you can also sand it, which uh, my preference is if you're not going to blast it, like dry ice would be the way I would love to go. The problem we have with that is is it's really expensive for the setup. You got to get dry ice pellets. It's just for Wyoming, it's, it's really difficult to use that setup because... You know, we're always working in different places. It just, it takes a lot of equipment. I wish I had something like that, but I don't. Um, But if we don't baking soda blast it, we sand it. And the purpose of that is, is we want to get to the root of all those mold or suspected mold spores because mold spores are like your grass. They're going to try to root deeper and deeper into the wood. It's looking for moisture, just like your grass is. So we, we do our best to sand that down. After we do that, we obviously treat it again with some chemicals. That is, once again, it's not something we saturate. We, we have plenty of airflow in there. We're monitoring all the materials. We're doing that just kind of as a secondary measure. Then once everything's dry, if our clients want us to, we put a waterproofer on the building materials. So we're talking like subfloor wall studs, uh, sill plates, things like that. We do, you can either use kills or we like to use aftershock. I bring that up because I hear a lot of times, yeah, you just spray kills over mold and you're good to go. That's encapsulating mold. That is a last resort for us. Does it happen? Absolutely. We can't always tear things out like roof trusses and things like that. So if we can't get in there and sand or blast the mold away, we do encapsulate, but it's it's fairly rare. And when we do it, it's it's like I say, it's our last resort. And I tell my clients that like, hey, we're, we're going to do everything we can, but unless you want to pay us to, to replace roof trusses, which is very, very unreasonable to even do for mold mitigation we're gonna have to encapsulate sometimes but a lot of times too you come in after the mold job's done and you do see the waterproofers and they're either white or clear those are the two colors i've used a lot of people do think that you just sprayed that over mold and that's not what we do and we take lots of pictures um 
for us to see, obviously, we want to make sure that there's no mold. And then it's for our clients to see that, hey, we got rid of the mold spores well before we put the waterproofers on. After that's done, we're pretty much wrapped up. Everything gets cleaned up. We pop air tests and we're done. So quite extensive. Um, I didn't go through every single step just because you should have a professional that does it. But I think I went through enough steps that you should know what to ask a mold mitigation company if you're going to have them do mold mitigation for you. There are crucial steps like the containment, the air scrubber, the removing the mold spores that you should ask your potential mold mitigation company. Just to kind of get this wrapped up, I'm sure one of the questions are like, so what does it cost to do all that? It all depends. You know, for the most part, we cannot come in, set up all our equipment establish a containment for less than probably four to $5,000. And it's not because we're just trying to price gouge you, but it takes a lot as you heard me walk through everything. It takes a lot for us to do. Plus it's not something we just come in, have it done in one day and leave. It's we're there at least probably seven days, even for something simple, just because we got to let chemicals dry. We got to leave the air scrubbers in there post remediation. So it's not a quick in and out. So, you know, I would say our average mold mitigation jobs are probably closer to 20,000, which seems like a lot. And it is, I get it, but it's not for us to price gouge you. It is because of all the work that is involved. Plus all the equipment, the insurance we have to carry. Uh, we're in full monkey suits the whole time. We use all the proper PPE, typically full face masks. I mean, it's, it's a lot more than just going in and spraying kills on something. That's not the proper way to do it. So if you're listening and you need mold remediation, who should you call? We service the entire state of Wyoming. We also do Northern Utah. Um, but for those of you that are listening in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, um, Ohio, just, I have clients everywhere, so I'm not going to go through all the states. But anyhow, unless you want to pay us a lot of money, we're not going to come there and do mitigation. But to be clear, we do travel. And um, as long as we are within the licensing regulations in your municipality. For the most part, we usually can come do mitigation. We will travel. It's just, you know, you're going to have to pay a little bit more than you pay someone locally. But for a local one, the best thing you can do is we talked to Dr. Fox last week and the organization she talked about, ICI, that's spelled I-S-E-A-I. That's an organization. NAMRI is who I'm a member of, N-A-M-R-I. There's I-I-C-R-C, there's NORMI, N-O-R-M-I, there's MICRO. There's numerous entities out there that uh, we get, well, those aren't the entities that you usually get certified through. Those are who you're members of. So those are organizations that the people are members of. Our certifications are something totally different. But to be a member for most of those, you have to be properly certified. That's the best way to do it. Calling your potential mitigation company is obviously always a good idea. It You get somebody on the phone and you ask them questions. If you feel like they don't know what they're talking about, you'll know, hey, this isn't the right fit for me. If they seem to be knowledgeable. Perfect. You can have them come over, give an estimate, see what they have to say. If worst case scenario, you just don't know what to do, feel free to reach out to me. You don't have to schedule a consultation. Just shoot me an email. 
uh, to info at cnccontractorservices.com. Kind of quickly tell me what you got going on. I do get back to everybody. Uh, you do want to monitor your junk folder. Sometimes my replies end up in, in your junk folder. But if it's something quick, I'll get back to you. And it might take me several days, but I will get back to you. So make sure you hire the proper mold mitigation company. Because if you don't, it can make you really, really sick and the occupants of your property very sick. And it can also cost you a lot of money when you got to bring in somebody that knows what they're doing. That's simple, in my opinion, just to get the right person out there. I also do have courses on Udemy, and that's U-D-E-M-Y. We have a free course, Is Toxic Mold Making Me Sick? I have a DIY home inspection course and a DIY mold inspection course. And I also have a building a mold resistant home course. So I do have courses, three of them you have to pay for them. They're not very expensive. There is the free one uh, if you think mold is making you sick. But make sure you go to Udemy and take at least the free course. And once again, I appreciate you for listening. I hope all of you have a safe and fun 4th of July. This was episode 214. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the Mold Investigation Checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free Mold Investigation Checklist today. You can also, on cnccontractorservices.com, find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.